Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan from U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings just beat the New Orleans Saints 27-19. Jameis Winston gift-wrapped that one and put it right on the front doorstep at the end of this game. But we're going to talk about how they got there with a remarkable first half from Josh Dobbs. Uh, one point was 18 of 22 to start this game, 200 yards passing, runs for a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson has 10 catches, 100 and what? 28 at halftime. 128 yards at halftime and a touchdown while playing through a rib injury. It seemed like this offense, it really, if Kevin O'Connell wanted to do a coach of the year, you know, ballot or application, it should have been just last week and then the first half of this week. Yeah, I mean, they have now won five straight games without Justin Jefferson. They have won three their last three games they've had three different starting quarterbacks including last week's uh jaron hall start that was ended by a concussion obviously we've talked plenty about last week and and what they did to prepare josh Dobbs to play but they come in today and for the first half they looked uh, as smooth offensively as they have all season they were running the ball effectively they were able to find some things downfield Dobbs making plays with his feet certainly adds a, di- a dimension to this offense. They had the largest lead at halftime since, uh, well, the largest lead at halftime in the Kevin O'Connell era. The last time they were up that big at halftime was that Thursday night game against the Steelers that they almost gave away in 2021, I believe. But everything looked like it was rolling in the first half, and then they got awfully conservative, awfully unproductive in the second half. But yeah, they certainly seem to have found some things that work and given the people that they're missing and continue to lose today it's awfully impressive that they've been able to kind of keep the offense rolling to the degree that they have yeah Jim what stood out to you about just the first half the lead they jump out to I thought it was a really interesting two weeks of challenges for Dobbs obviously we know we can all assume that it's really difficult to come in not take any snaps with the first team and come in halfway through a game you know, on the road and perform the way he did last week. I, I thought this was a really interesting challenge in that, you know, his his record as a starting quarterback in this league is not very good. And now he had was coming and facing a good defense that had a week to prepare for him that knew what he looked like in this offense a little bit, knew what his strengths were. So I thought even though last week was obviously the harder challenge, this was an interesting challenge for him if he's going to keep this job. And he just – Looked fantastic. And I'd listen, second half, yeah, it, they didn't play as well. They weren't as aggressive. But it's also a psychological thing. You know, you're up by that many points at home. You're trying to run the ball more. I get how you can lapse a little bit. But the first half won the game. And the way Dobbs played in the first half won the game. And he was spectacular. He was he, he, The scrambling, the running, uh, clutch passing, you know, reading defenses, it's just, it's just really impressive. And now I don't care what his previous record was. You know, all that really matters is how he plays with this group. Yeah, it doesn't matter so much. He was one and seven with uh, yeah. Jonathan Gannon in Arizona when Kevin O'Connell can get what they got out of him. I think yeah. I think what he ought to do is is emphasize the fact he won a game with Jonathan Gannon as his, as his coach. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, it was very impressive what Dobbs continues to do. And Garrett Bradbury said after the game, you know, he wanted to pull some of the runs that we were handing off to Madison last week. And so we decided to install some read option yeah. into our offense. It was a third, early third down. They busted out. He gets an 11 yard run. They try to pull it out on a late fourth down and he slips and yep. falls down there. Yep. Um, but they 
lean into his mobility a little bit. We're actually trying to use it in the offense. And, and obviously the scrambles were some of the biggest plays as well. Well, it's interesting too to think what they could look like when they get Justin Jefferson back in here. I mean, that, that's probably a week, maybe two away, I would think. Um, so you get him, you have Addison, you have Hawkinson. The running game is going to continue to be a, a mystery, probably with Alexander Madison coming back from a concussion. But they will have more weapons for him in the not-too-distant future. And his mobility adds another dynamic to this offense that they haven't had. I mean, the uh, the Wildcat stuff that they put in, I, I don't think they would have really tried to run that with Kirk Cousins to the degree that they – they did it today. I mean, obviously mentioned the zone read stuff, uh, the, the pitch play that I think that was the one that got called back. If I'm remembering, that was the one Brian O'Neill ends up yes. pulling the guy down. Um, they had a lot of diversity to the run game today, and I think that is something they've needed pretty badly. They've needed to find ways to manufacture yards on the ground. You you pair that with Jefferson coming back especially if that means you're getting a lot more shell coverage like Kevin O'Connell talked about after the game. If you're getting that and you're getting light boxes, you're getting people playing deep, if Dobbs being able to pull the ball down and run is another dynamic that defenses will have to plan for. And I think it certainly will be interesting to watch how all of that pairs together here in the next few weeks. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Yeah, they've done what they've done. Five and zero, four wins without Justin Jefferson, right? Five, or five and zero. I'm sorry, without all of it, without Justin Jefferson, which is just remarkable. And for Hawkinson to do what he did in this game, I mean, after the start of the season that he had was so awful uh, in terms of the drop passes, the tip balls into interceptions. Um, he's earning his paycheck in this game and does it through a pretty what looked like a pretty painful rib injury. He's still dealing with. And think about the fact that one during the middle of one season they go out and they get Hawkinson, who turns out to be a star caliber tight end, and the next year they go out and get Dobbs middle season, and he's performing like this. Uh, so, you know, draft how they draft matters, but uh, they've kind of made up for it with some midseason moves as well. Uh, I mean, Hawkinson, I, I really think as much as sometimes we downplay the importance of preseason games, training camp's important, and getting your work in and being, you know, at game speed when the season starts matters. And I think Hawkinson's, you know, obvious uh, – what do they call it? Hold in. Hold in. Uh, I think that affected him early in the season. Hey, it might have just been the earache, Jim. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was a really bad earache, and it threw off his balance and made him fumble a lot. Uh, and then his back got hurt after that. Yeah, amazing how all those things happened. Fixed. Uh, so I, I really think those things I, – I don't think he was as prepared as he needed to be coming into the season. I think you saw that in some of his fumbles and drops. Uh, and let's face it, if he doesn't have some of those fumbles and drops, this team might be, you know, 8-2 and two right yeah. now. I mean, it could very easily be 8-2 and two if Hoxton plays better early in the season. I mean, you could take one play and take it to 7-3. Yep. and three. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so he's making up for it, and that's to his credit, and he's been spectacular for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, it's, it, you know, I give him full credit for the playing the way he's playing now. I also think he could have played better early. 
Hawkinson was asked about um, his first half uh, after the game and said, I, I got to be honest, I blacked out. <laughs> he said it was just one of those things where I was reading the defense really well and it was just kind of feeling it and rolling. And he credited Dobbs, he credited his teammates, but he said Dobbs has a thing where, you know, we're practicing the scramble drill more now. And I asked him how much did you do it before versus now? Because with Kirk, probably not a lot. Probably not a lot. Um, but all he would say is that, yeah, it's an emphasis now. Um, but Hawkinson said that they are on the same, he said he felt on the same page with Dobbs in those scramble situations that helped contribute to that first half that he had in this offense where you can buy time the way Dobbs has. Um, this defense loses Jordan Hicks. Uh, they lose a Caleb Evans in this game. They still intercept Jameis Winston at the end. They knock Derek Carr out of the game, which might have hurt them. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I thought Jameis Winston found Chris Olave to be a, a pretty great target for yeah. him um, in this game. But Brian Flores' defense continues to change games, affect games, including hurting the opposing quarterback. Yeah, and, and they – have made the plays at the end that they've needed to make, which we have not seen a Vikings defense do very often in recent years. I mean, certainly they did it last year. You, you, Patrick Peterson coming up with interceptions in a couple of those games against the Dolphins, the Bills, etc. But in the recent years, the last few years of Mike Zimmer, we saw a defense that blew a lot of leads. I mean, that happened at the end of 2021. That was a team that gave up a lot of leads late in games. And much like the end of Leslie Frazier's tenure it spelled the end of Mike Zimmer's because they weren't able to hold on to leads and this group has been a lot better at coming up with those plays in big moments I think you know you've seen Daniel Hunter continue to be outstanding DJ Wanham continuing to look like more than what we saw in the first few years I think where he's getting to the quarterback sooner and it's not just like the hustle plays that result in sacks I thought Harrison Phillips did a lot of impressive things today I mean, Ivan Pace took over basically running the huddle and making checks with uh, Jordan Hicks out. And then Josh Batellis coming through with a, a hit that forced that first interception. So you, they're getting contributions from a lot of places. And that was the big question with this group is how many of these players we don't really know about are going to be able to contribute. They kind of they had this kind of confidence about them in the preseason of, hey, you may not know our names yet, but you're going to know – some of these names in the future because of how they're going to do it together. And uh, they have found a lot of people to play a lot of important roles here over the last few weeks. Yeah. Jim, who's impressed you on this defense as we talk about him? Flores. I mean, <laughs> good, I, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, he's basically got the same players. It, it maybe he probably has a less impressive number in terms of uh, roster, in terms of name recognition than they did last year when they ranked yeah, the 20th, the 30th. Yep. And now, you know, Josh Metellus is playing like an you know a standout. Uh, Wanham's playing great. Uh, Bullard's making a few plays here and there. Hicks looks better to me this year than he did last year. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, and it doesn't seem to matter who's playing cornerback. They, you know, whoever plays cornerback, they might not be great, but they tend to make enough plays. Blackman comes in and makes a great play today. Uh, Evans had a good play to start the game. Um, and I think Smith kind of helps hold things together, and Bynum keeps making play. I mean, so I, I, Flores impresses me. All those players I just named, uh, and it just it flash it makes me flash back to a conversation I used to have with Tony Dungy when he was the defense coordinator here. He said, "You know, you don't need stars everywhere to have a good defense. You need one star. You need one star who dictates how the offense will game plan." And that gives you a tell as to what they're going to do because you have to account for that guy. Daniel Hunter is that star. And Flores, in that way, reminds me a lot of Tony Dungy, who took mediocre defenses and got him to about number one in the league. 
Yeah, they're just. It's an interesting point because they're not busting coverages. They're not getting beat on big plays to the degree that they did last year. And that was one of the big questions, I think, coming into the season. We've talked about it. I think the pass rush is, is helping make so that doesn't happen because the ball has to come out as quick as it does. But they are not getting burned with stuff downfield the way that they did last year when it the whole point of that defense was sit back in coverage and not give up things over the top. Yeah. But there were a lot of times where they still did. And they were, I think, second or third in the league in, the, in terms of the most – plays of 20 yards or more allowed and this year I think they're towards the bottom in that statistic or you know towards the top in terms of one of the best at, at not giving up very many of them and I think some of that is scheme some of that is players not making mistakes in their assignments that lead to easy money for opposing quarterbacks this conversation reminds me of something Daniel Hunter said after the game um when he said, I, I'm just glad that we're finding out when asked about his teammates, I'm glad we're finding out what they're good at and that they're being given opportunities. Hmm. Uh, so you can read between the lines. Yeah, there I think of, you can. You know, no one asked him about last year. No one asked him about their former coaches or scheme, but he said it all right there and talk, talking about how, yeah, Metellus steps into a linebacker role when Hicks goes down and pressures on, uh, gives a, a key pressure on third down right after they lose Hicks to force a punt. I mean, there's, there's guys like him. Bynum has that interception that doesn't count, but he has the cool moment moment where he gets to throw the ball to his wife in the stands Um, a lot of these players when we talked about in in training camp who are the guys that are going to develop and step up it hasn't been necessarily the Lewis scenes and the Andrew Booths but it has been some of these guys that are just kind of hung around Ivan Pace and been around or yeah come out of nowhere in in his case Uh, he had some good plays too and then you bring up him replacing Hicks as the main communicator for them so it's been an impressive um, resilient defense that shows they can lose people and still kind of step up and and, um, you know, be formidable in ways that we have not seen past Vikings defenses be that way. And certainly they haven't crumbled under pressure either the way that Mike Zimmer's defenses would toward the end yeah. where everything felt like it was made of just, you know, porcelain and which, or, you know, whatever glass and it would just break. Um, because they were walking on glass. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Well, what else should we get to from this game? What am I forgetting? Well, running backs. Ty yeah. Chan- yeah. Um, I thought Cam Akers was a better back than Alexander Madison. And now I think Ty Chandler is better than either of them. He has more burst, more wiggle, more speed. Uh, he's going to scare defenses. Uh, put him out there. He definitely has more speed. Yeah. I mean, I, we, that's no, there's no question about that. There's such a big difference between him, Kane finally getting a carry. It's, it's almost like if O'Connell deserves criticism through this pretty great 5-0 and stretch, it's that they haven't tried to do more with changing the personnel in the run game to, hey, maybe Ty's not always going to be reliable at lining up where you want him to, but set him up for an easy one that, that gets him, you know, the speed on the outside like he did today. And there was some, you know, um, screw-ups. There, there was one time where Dobbs turned one way and Ty ran the other. Yep. And you're going to have those hiccups in games, but his, he makes up for it with the speed. And if Brian O'Neill hadn't been called for the hold, that's a touchdown that we're a second touchdown we're yep. talking about with Ty Chandler. So I do think we're probably going to see even more of him moving forward because he probably earned those reps with this game. Yeah, and I think you're going to continue to see them open up the run game, kind of like we're talking about. And I think if that's going to be part of it, especially with Akers out for the season, he's going to have to be a lot of what Akers was. And I think he's going to continue to get opportunities to show that he can can be that. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, too, how much they're going to be able to lean on uh, Dobbs as a runner when Wes Phillips said last week, you know, we want to keep him upright, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's – 
that does become a concern because well, what do you got see, to lose? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not signed for the long term, and there's all you know. You're not staking anything beyond the season on it, but if they want to go somewhere, they're probably going to need him. I, I mean, Jaron Hall will be out of the concussion protocol fairly soon, I would think. So we may see him get back in the mix, and we'll see what happens with Nick Mullins. But I mean, right now they kind of have to roll with Dobbs and and uh, keeping him healthy when they have lost a lot of players is going to be a big part of it. But, you know, they have continued to show that they find ways through it, even when they've – I mean, the, the number of people they've lost, I think if you if we would have said they're going to lose Jefferson, they're going to lose Cousins, they're going to play a game on the road without Derisaw, they're going to lose Madison, they're going to lose Akers, Osborne, uh, Hawkinson's going to be in and out a little bit with injury stuff. They lose Jordan Hicks. I mean, I think we would have said – okay, this thing is, is dead in the water. I mean, heck, after the 0-3 start, everybody was talking about should they tank? Should they just try to play for the 2024 draft? And they were pretty adamant that, no, we're not thinking that way. And we all kind of said, well, okay, we'll see. But um, they have been vindicated in their approach, at least to this point. And they've largely been playing clean games. I think yeah. this last two especially in terms of largely penalty-free except for an interesting one on Daniel Hunter where he gets called for hands <laughs> to the face even though his helmet's the one that got ripped off. Um, that helps the, the Saints score a late touchdown there. But um, largely, though, no, yeah, a few turnovers. Do they have any today? I don't think so. Yeah, no turnovers today. They able obviously get some takeaways off the Saints, and they continue to play some clean football that they were not playing. Honestly, they're playing better without Kirk Cousins in these last two games, and they were playing with him through a lot of those stretches early in the season where they were coughing up passes, dropping passes left and right. Um, as we're recording this, the Packers lost today. I guess that'll be even when you're listening to this. They lost today. Um, the Lions are winning uh, right now against the Chargers, but it's a close game. So right now the Vikings have that seventh seed in the NFC, and it, the NFC is pretty mediocre when you look at it top to bottom. Um, the Vikings have six NFC wins. That's going to help them in this wild card race, but, Ben, they are in the driver's seat. Yeah, they are, and – there's not really anybody that you look at behind them and think, okay, they got to watch out for so-and-so because somebody's going to get hot and come breathing down their neck. It, it's a lot of flawed teams, and if they can get serviceable quarterback play the rest of the way, there's every reason to think, especially with the schedule. I mean, you think about it now, four wins gets you to 10-7. and seven. If that's Broncos, Raiders, Bears, and then – Packers, you know, pick one somewhere. You don't even necessarily have to beat the Lions at this point to get to 10 and 7. They will I that should be enough to get them in the playoffs. Yeah, right behind them in the in the 8 seed, Washington 4 and 5, Atlanta 4 and 5 who they beat, Tampa Bay 4 and 5 who they probably should have beat, and Green Bay at 3 and 6. Jim, I mean, they could just walk into the NFC playoffs at this point. You know, we're, we're having some fun with the topic, but I kind of think they should. Uh, yeah. Between this, ske- between this schedule, the fact that the Lions are good but not world beaters, uh, as you said, it's it's not hard to envision them getting to 10 wins. I picked them to win 11 coming into the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they got to 11. And I also think, you know, I said at the time, and I, and I, th- I defend their willingness to keep going for it. I just thought the schedules are going to get easier. I still think this is a, a fairly talented team. It's obviously a very well-coached team, and also the competition is not great. It just isn't. So, you know, I, I, this has been – let's, let's put it this way. 
this has been a blast. Dobbs has been a great story. He's been a blast to watch. Uh, the games have been really entertaining. This is like a season and a half uh, that's been about as entertaining as any stretch in, in Vikings history. Yeah, and, and everybody's going to talk about the playoff success and how it ends, and, and that's kind of part of it in Vikings history. It's been it's part of it for a lot of teams. But you, I think you lose something if you're just saying, well, we didn't win the Super Bowl, so the season's all for naught. I mean, only one team gets to do that every year, and a lot of times that team is the Kansas City Chiefs these days with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So if, if you're only judging it on that, then I, I think that's kind of reductionist in a lot of ways. But this has it continues to be entertaining and compelling to watch, and, and certainly I think will continue to be that going forward. Yeah, I think there's something to say, too, for the culture to use the word, the buzzword that Kevin O'Connell has established here and, and this uh, entire team has established because you have players talking about um, just the locker room. Yeah, and, and being able to bring in new pieces like a Dobbs or a Hawkinson midseason and seamlessly transition the way they have. It has been impressive, and uh, certainly through this 5-0 and stretch, the Minnesota Vikings have made themselves relevant once again. We will be here to cover it all for you guys moving forward as the Vikings prepare to go to Denver next Sunday night on primetime. The Josh Dobbs train is rolling into primetime. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com.